From the Cervera Newsroom in sunny Miami, welcome to the Miami Real Estate Podcast, your home for expert insight on all things Miami real estate. I'm your host, Omar DeWin. Let's get started. What is the state of the Miami real estate market? That is the question we're answering today, folks. I'm Omar DeWitt, communications executive here at Severe Real Estate, and we are bringing you a very special guest today to get to the bottom of that. Uh, she is, um, well, she requires no introduction, but I'll tell you a little bit about her anyway. She is a legacy award recipient of the Master Brokers Forum, named seven times power leader in real estate by the South Florida Business Journal and recognized by Mayor Frances Suarez last year as a woman of the city. So let's just say she's got the credentials to help us talk about the state of the market. That is Alicia Cervera-La Madrid. Alicia, welcome. Thank you. How are you, Omar? Doing great. Happy to have you back here. As um, as you know, our first guest on the podcast, that was you. Right. Our very first topic was the state of the market. And we said, hey, it's time to bring you back and, uh, you know, explore. Well, if there's one topic that never gets old, it's the state of the Miami real estate <laughs> market. Because if there's one thing that is constantly changing is our magnificent city. And with that, our market. Absolutely. So our last state of the market for long listeners will remember was from 2018. A lot has changed since then. Uh, we've, well, we lived through the pandemic. Uh, we have seen, uh, amongst many other things, really, like my mind now uh, draws a blank. It seems like it was so long ago. But uh, here we are, post-COVID, um, we're looking at a lot of things, a lot of exciting things, some uh, challenging, scary things. But uh, listen, let's just get right to it, because um, the listeners want to know. So, Alicia, let's set the table. I have specific questions, but I want you to tell me top line. What is the state of the market right now? What do you see? So I'm going to start with an unusual word, but as you know, I'm a listener and I love to talk to people and I always get takeaways because um, there's so much power in the information that people communicate. And the word of the moment is weird. Mm -hmm. When you talk to somebody, they and you say, what do you think? What are you seeing? How's the market? And it could be a banker. It could be an analyst. It could be a real estate broker. It could be a developer. And the word is weird which is particularly surprising because it's not a word that one is used to listening to in the financial sectors, in the real estate sectors. I, when I think of weird, I think of being in high school and saying, well, that's a little weird guy or weird girl or somebody's weird, you know, but not when you're applying it to, to financial concepts. However, different times call for different adjectives. And I think that, that it's a good one because weird is kind of par neutral. It's not necessarily negative or positive. It just means that things are unusual and they are very unusual. So it's a good time to be doing this podcast because I think everyone's trying to read the tea leaves and see where we're going and what that means. Right. So we're going to get weird today. We're going to explore that, uh, that idea. So I think Last time you and I were together, I mean, since the state of the market, but here on the pod, we were doing the what does COVID-19 right, mean for Miami real estate? And there was a big question. And I think your take was sort of kind of like post 9-11, there was that shock, right? But then we would reset and sort of get back off to the races. And I think you were, you know, history proves that you were more than right. Uh, Miami was a big beneficiary, especially Miami real estate of the, you know, the, the post-COVID world. Yes. A lot of people relocating here, um, companies relocating here, virtual working made it possible to come to tax uh, states that were not tax burden and, you know, sort of be where they want to live, work where they want to live. Yeah. Um, but now uh, we sort of find ourselves in this, this area where there's a lot of talk of recession. Uh, so what do you say to those people and how may that impact our market? 
so just to to dovetail off what you were saying about COVID, and I think we we read that so right mm-hmm. because while no one could imagine the full impact that COVID was going to have globally, for whatever reason, I was pretty clear that Miami was going to come out of at on the winning side, and I think most of, mostly because our fundamentals were so strong because our weather was was great. We we live outdoors anyway. We have an abundance of medical facilities because of so much of our. Uh, medical institutions are set up not only for the local population, but for the international and the medical tourism, as we call it. So we had an overabundance, thank God, of um, of medical personnel and medical facilities. So in fact, we did very well. Mm. And we had inventory. And so um, it was kind of the, the perfect real estate storm for us because people came down here and uh, they were you know, in desperate need of finding housing immediately, we had a good amount of housing standing and available, and of course, incredibly affordable for a city of our caliber. But only we knew that. Mm-hmm. The people who were coming were like in shock <laughs> that the city was of the caliber that it was, because people were used to popping in and popping out. And when you go to visit a city with a short amount of time, you usually have an agenda, whether you're here for a bachelorette party or you're here for an intense business meeting. It's kind of scripted, sure. and you don't have much time to experience beyond that. But when all of a sudden people came here and they started experiencing our community and they started getting to know um, what Miami is really about, and yes, it's great weather and it's great uh, you know, architecture and it's great restaurants and uh, it's great views and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, world-class shopping, et cetera. But fundamentally, Miami is a feel-good place because organically we are what the world wants to be. Right. We are an open, accepting community that embraces people that want to do good things. Whatever good thing that is, from as I say, exchanging a smile on the street or starting a you know multi-billion dollar company. And we were the beneficiaries of that on sure. both ends and everything in between. So as we come out of, of this horrible time of global COVID. And we are in what I want to call a reset of the economy mm-hmm. more than a, you know, recession or anything worse than that. It's just a reset. Reset. And the world is resetting. And so, you know, one day they're saying, oh, unemployment is low. The next day they're saying we don't have enough employees. It's kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. What we do know is that there is inflation. The inflation is driven by oil prices. We also know that our country has the capacity to change the supply. Sure. Quickly, if we decide to not in not in a minute, not in a month, but we have the ability to change that. That the United States can, in fact, be self sufficient and supply all of our energy needs if we need to and choose to. Mm-hmm. So that insulates us for, uh, much more than other countries that don't have that privilege, that cannot become self sufficient, and that are completely dependent on um, imported oil and on world and global pricing. Sure. So we have things in the American economy that make us much stronger, and in fact, make us much safer. That uh, our government is choosing not to do that and is putting other measures into place is a choice. But Mm -hmm. isn't it lovely to have other choices? Right. So I think we should remember that because the fundamental trigger of inflation are these oil prices and these gas prices because that then triggers everything, right? Because the, the, the transportation, the cost of producing things, the cost of moving things, the cost of fertilizing things, everything is 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 uh, triggered by that. As a, as a friend of mine was telling me last night, he said, we are living in the era of petroleum. Right. Something will follow because our, our civilization has evolved because we create things to substitute things. But right now, it's kind of the age of petroleum. 
Right. And that's at, at the crux of it. So how does that factor into the real estate uh, sandbox, let's say, because I understand, um, you, you know, your, your point regarding the petroleum is at sort of the core of this inflation that we are, uh, we're seeing and uh, which has thus caused the reset. But if I'm a buyer on the sideline thinking about, you know, whether or not to purchase, right. let's say, in Miami, wh- wh- how do I read that? Fair enough. Let me bring it down. You want me to land the helicopter? (laughs) Let's land that jumbo jet. Okay. So let's land it. So the reality is people have to live somewhere and um, wealth doesn't disappear. It gets transferred. Mm. And that's what's happening now as well. Wealth is being transferred. And some may say, well, some wealth has disappeared. And yeah, maybe. But as, as it disappeared, it will reappear. It may reappear in different hands, but it will reappear. Right. Because real wealth does not disappear. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that, again, as that money moves, it's going to move to places where it feels safer. Sure. And the fundamentals in Miami are so much better than mm-hmm. they were pre-COVID. Right. Why? Because of the countless jobs that have moved in here. Just last week, was it, that Griffin announced? Yeah, Ken Griffin, Citadel's coming to Miami. Citadel's coming to Miami. Welcome, <laughs> Welcome Citadel. We are happy to have you and here to serve. Uh, a thousand jobs. It's amazing. It's amazing. And Citadel might be, you know, the, the crown at, on the top of that mountain. Sure. But there is a mountain beneath them of mm-hmm. other people that have come yep. that have moved very important companies and many, many, many jobs. So that tends to be something that is perpetuates itself because one of these companies pulls another one that pulls the other one. Sure. And in our beautiful city of Miami, we needed that push. Yeah. Because we couldn't live of, out of just tourism, real estate, right. and international banking. We needed a little bit more. Right. And so now we've gotten a lot more. Well, and I had a listener question in our mailbag, and I think you're touching on it. The question was re- related to recession talk, is Miami poised to be more resilient in this post-COVID world? And I think it's yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, I think it's yes, yes, and and yes, because the jobs are coming here, not only in the financial sector and in the banking sector, of course, real estate continues to move, um, but also in the tech sector, which we've right. made huge progress. Mm-hmm. And our education system here continues to get stronger and stronger because as our population has grown, we're attracting more great schools. There's like, like a major sprint to the finish with major schools from around the world, not just around the country, that are looking to set up shop in Miami, which is only going to continue to produce the caliber of um, employees that these companies need in order to stay in a city and to continue to attract talent. Right. So I think that we're going in the right direction. And um, our prices certainly went up and they went up dramatically Mm -hmm. during the, the COVID time. What we're seeing now, I believe, is a stabilization of these prices. But we're not really seeing these prices come tumbling down. That That's not happening. That's an important point. It's, I think it's a very important point. But let's face it. If they tumble 10 or 20%, we're still up significantly right. from where we were two years ago. Right. And Oh, sorry. Go ahead. So it's something that is certainly manageable because that tumble, I doubt if it happens, is going to happen with somebody that bought during COVID. Right. That tumble may happen with somebody who just priced their house that they've been sitting at for you know 20 years and that they paid $700,000 for and is now worth $3 million. So if it goes you know, to 2-6, they're okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And in the long term, in the long game, we've seen the appreciation in Miami you know, continues to be a, a consistent factor. Right. And I think to take it back back way back for our listeners in our first podcast, I think an important point of distinction that you made when I asked you how to look at the cycle 
And why is it, you know, why are we in a better spot now? That was, you know, ending um, the cycle that began in 2011 compared to what happened in, in the previous decade, let's say when you had the 2008 crash and you made the very astute point that the developer model, let's say on the new construction side changed. Right. So a lot of the inventory that was, uh, that is existing now started from 2011, all cash, it's basically a cash stable market. This is not an over leveraged market. So I think combine that with what you're saying, it's just a bit of a reset. The, the market is, is completely under leveraged, continues to be that way. And our supply is very limited because mm. even though we had all of these buildings coming online, as we know, um, most of these buildings are, are almost sold out. You know, take a look at Aston Martin, for instance, you know, almost yep. 400 units. I have 16 units left to Congratulations. sell. And we're still a year away from delivery. So uh, that's the case with most of these buildings. And the other reality is that as Miami has become a vertical city, and taller and taller and taller. Before, a high-rise used to be 20 stories and took two years to build. Mm -hmm. Now, at the Waldorf, what is it, 100 floors? Yeah. And it's going to take five or six years to build. So the amount of time that it will take to put new finished inventory uh, that were pe in the market where people can live will be way more than enough time to absorb any existing inventory in the market now. So I don't really think that the, uh, that the prices are going to come tumbling down in rent or to buy because one of the big big factors in the rental market in Miami used to be condominiums that were owned by you know people that did not live in them and rented them as right. we refer to it the shadow market that shadow market is disappearing because more and more the renters are buying those units when they come on the market and there's not replacement units being built mm -hmm. because people are buying the condos to move into them so the buildings that are uh, being built as rental buildings are really uh, providing and filling that gap that has been right. created by this shadow market as a rental market disappearing. So we need these rental buildings. The rental buildings have filled up in record time. All of the performance have far exceeded what anyone who was building these <laughs> rental buildings ever dreamt they were going to get. And it's important that we continue to build those because we want to keep availability of inventory and we want to manage that rental increase so right. that it's sustainable. Sure. Yeah. Well, speaking about managing increases, sustainability, and you touched on pricing, um, there are those out there that would, would that would argue, is Miami too expensive? Or maybe whether they they live in the city or they're considering buying is, you know, it might be too expensive for me now. Uh, or is the value there? What do you say to them? Well, I mean, value and expensive are related, but uh, but not necessarily the same. Sure. So do we believe that there's great value in Miami, even if it's expensive? Yes, I think so. Because great cities tend to be expensive. Right. You know, Paris is expensive. London is expensive. New York is expensive. Chicago. Go around the world. Mm -hmm. You know, Hong Kong, Shanghai. They're expensive. And they're expensive because a lot of people want to be there. And it's right. supply and demand. So is my, has Miami gotten more expensive? Without a doubt, it's gotten more expensive. Does that mean that the value's gone? Absolutely not. The right. value is absolutely here. What it does mean is that people are going to have to adjust the way they live. And so if they want to live in Miami and they want to live in this spectacular city, then they may have to live a bit further. And what I think we as a city have to focus on is uh, 
making sure that it's accessible. Mm. Even though it's expensive, let's see how it can be accessible. So it has to be accessible by doing things like finishing the underline, which is a great amazing project. A, amazing project, which you know you can access you know, with a rapid transit. You can go all the way from the south area of town to downtown Miami, and then you can hook up to to all of the major entertainment in the city because you're yep. by the arena, you're by the parks, you're by Bayfront, you're on and on and on. Yep. So we have to do more things like that to make sure that the city is accessible for everyone that we need to have a complete city. And, and that is going to require more discipline with the um, mass transit construction yep. and more discipline with public spaces and creating those public spaces and better programming as we move forward. Absolutely. So. And for listeners uh, out there unfamiliar with the underline, hopefully by now you are familiar, but it's an amazing um uh, linear park that is, I believe, 10 miles uh, underneath and adjacent to uh, the metro rail. It takes you all the way down from, from Brickell to Dayland, as Lisa was mentioning. Then here on, on the Brickell side, in terms of connectivity, we've got the great metro mover, which I love. Right. Right. We've got the, the, the trolley. Yes. Uh, and then uh, mass transit, like the metro rail, will take you all the way to the, the airport and north to, you know, the Palm Beach. And, and we're very lucky also to have the Bright Line. The Bright Line. Yeah, no, which is a, company, a commuter line yeah. so that people can actually access the city, much like major cities around the world right. are connected to suburbs. And there's an interactivity there that's quite fabulous. And people move in and out sometimes of the city, depending on where they are in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. So, and keep it with your, let's get weird theme. So if, if W is uh, the worldly, right, I think the, the E is going to be evolution and we evolve as so as our transit evolve and sort of the, uh, the idea of living here um, continues to evolve. Uh, absolutely. Our city evolves and we evolve. Because it's, you know, it's a little shocking for yeah. those of us that have lived in Miami all the time, you know, and uh, I, I I often say that I remember when I used to sell Miami and say, oh, it's so easy to get everywhere. Parking is a breeze and there's no traffic. Well, if I said that now, they would, you know, think I had lost my mind. <laughs> so as a Miamian, I yeah. also have to adjust and know that with the complications, I have, as a result of those complications, incredible opportunities. Because I have the best restaurants in the world, but yeah. well, those weren't sustainable when I when I was growing up in Miami. There was one restaurant in right. Brickle, it, it, dare we call it that? It was a deli, you know. <laughs> and by the way, if you wanted to eat dinner here, you had to go home. So there, there's things in life that that you want to evolve. You have to let go of some things and embrace the new things. Sure. And and that's a dance that we have to keep going and we have to keep shifting with that. Well, it's a great place to dance here in Miami. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Alicia Cervera La Madrid here on the Miami Real Estate Podcast. Uh, where can you find us? We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. You can go to our website, miamirealestatepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe. Leave us a five-star. Uh, we really appreciate it. Alicia, let's keep this going. So, um, we're getting weird, right? Worldly evolution. Let's talk about innovation. I yes. and um, if you can weave that in, weave innovation into some opportunities, uh, opportunity zones, areas you're excited about. But I'm gonna let you take the floor here. Well, I think one of the innovative things that we're doing now is these buildings that offer uh, short-term rental opportunities. Mm. You know, the quote-unquote Airbnb model. Because that means that uh, we can move in and out of the city as the world has become more mobile, and people do that all the time. So I think that, you know, use it when you're here, rent it when you're not, uh, is, a, is a great opportunity that increases flexibility. Also, the size of those units make them, just by definition, more affordable because they're smaller, so they're, they're priced better, 
um, and so that means the taxes and the maintenance is, is lower. And it's exactly as it should be when you evolve into a bigger city. You mm -hmm. have to be able to live in spaces that are slightly more compact. The design has gotten very superior. There's furniture that's being created around that. And there's common areas that then become an expansion of your personal living space so that you now kind of uh, live your apartment becomes your personal space that's then enhanced by the common areas in your building that's then just blown out of the water into this magnificent city with this great infrastructure that we have and as if that wasn't enough just go jump in the ocean and go for a swim <laughs> so that's all a, you know part of the the evolution and the innovation and with that I think we continue to to innovate ways to make the city more sustainable so we are fortunate to have a, a tax base that has exploded yeah. that again is being supplemented by these major companies so that we can work on our infrastructure and we can afford to work on our infrastructure so that we defend against uh, you know sea level rising mm. and we you know we have better drainage and that wonderful park that was just built by one of our developers in Miami Beach right. by Russell and David yep. that has you know this great drainage that lets all that water disappear you know by the innovation that you know Harvey's putting into the lofty project that builds a club with inside that community to make that community incredible mm -hmm. uh, by what the Cotas have done in Aston Martin with just thousands and thousands of square feet of common area where people can embrace um, in the building. And of course, it's in the heart of the, what we call the you know five star or should we say Michelin star <laughs> city that you can go right, right. down. And um, we continue to, to kind of adapt and um, evolve, taking lessons from all of the great cities around the world because we have the advantage of youth. Yeah. And as a younger city, we can take these lessons and apply them to Miami so that we do things better. And I think uh, we're doing them better, gratefully. Absolutely. And I, I think I'm glad you brought up short-term rentals. I think that's been one of the great innovations, projects like uh, Nativo, Lofty uh, with Harvey Hernandez, which, by the way, friend of the podcast, great conversation we had with him a, a few months ago, actually. So go back and listen to that, uh, Harvey Hernandez behind Lofty, which is I now, uh, it's a Cervera project, Cervera Real Estate, 80% sold, I believe Absolutely. you guys are. Absolutely, yep. But we still have inventory They're just to waste our penthouses, so <laughs> come help us sell that out. And, and of course, Vita is another great example Vita, of repurposing yeah. because one of the go. things about reinventing is taking down structures that don't serve the proper purpose anymore. Mm -hmm. So at Grove Isle, there was a small hotel, underutilized land, had well past its uh, you know glory, mm -hmm. and it was taken down, and now you know Vita's getting built, which is this magnificent yeah. you know opportunity. Beautiful boutique project by Ugo Colombo, right. uh, his most uh, luxurious luxurious project to date by a developer that does nothing but luxury. Yes, so that says exactly. something on a beautiful girl Vita. You know, so and sure and it's it's out. a low rise, so that's right. going to be delivered sooner. Yeah. It's you know it's for somebody that doesn't like living in this huge community. It's I think six floors with yeah. a rooftop pool for each penthouse, yeah. et cetera. Beautiful little boutique product, and that's also part of what's happening now in this evolution and, and innovation is to identify sites that need to be repurposed so that we take down what is no longer relevant and useful and best use and create new spaces. Absolutely. And so let's segue. Um, and we're, we're going to stay on the topic of condo living. This is more of a somber point. Um a little over a year ago, we had the tragic collapse of the Surfside Towers, uh, the Champlain Towers and Surfside. Um, we learned a lot. Uh, it was a great tragedy, but I think it was an eye-opener, um, and we have, uh, we're applying those lessons moving forward. But what do you say uh, in terms of condo living, something that is so iconic with Miami? What are the big takeaways for our realtors out there and consumers who maybe are worried about living in a condo as a result? You should be less worried as a result of that. 
because the um, the regulations that have been put in place, I think, are good. Mm-hmm. I think they were necessary so that the uh, and they're going to be taken more seriously. You know, now when someone goes and inspects a condo and they give their report to the condo Asso- association, condo associations are not going to sit on the sidelines saying, "Yeah, we really don't need to fi- fix right. that crack." That's not an option anymore. And the other thing is that the condo associations are not going to have to be properly funded to do these repairs. Because if you live in a house, you know that every, whatever it is, 25, 30 years, you're going to have to change the roof. And you're going to have to plan on that. Or you're going to wake up one morning and your roof is going to be a zip, and then you're going to have to sell and move out. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is true for a condo association. But, of course, when you have 300 people that have to agree, it's more complicated. So now it, they're not going to have to agree because it's going to be built into the law. And what that means is that there's going to be Part of the condo association is going to have a reserve. The reserve will be funded. And when it comes time to make the repairs, the money will be there for the repairs. Mm -hmm. And that's just fiscally responsible and correct. Of course, there's going to be some pain going through that. Sure. But we will get through that, and it will make our, our buildings much safer. And it will also give people the option to sell and move rather than to hang on into a dilapidated building that becomes a hazard. So if there's a building whose time has come, whose residents uh, either can't or don't want to reinvest in a structure that really is not the highest and best use because we have many cases where you have a 12-story building in a site that has now been rezoned where you can do 60 stories and the owners of those 12-story building can cash out with a land base mm-hmm. of a 60-story building. So it's just a win-win for all people involved. Right. They can sell the old building that's falling into the ground and move into a brand new place and cash out. So it's a win-win if it's done properly. It'll it's just a process and we're going to get through that and you know probably in the next year or two it will continue to sort itself out. I like it. And so I'm going to try to make continue weaving make, make this weird thing happen, right? So that brings <laughs> me to R. Okay, stay with me here. So R is being ready, right? If I'm a condo owner maybe in an older building be ready for that opportunity if it comes from said developer that wants to take over, but my next question for you is, what are you ready for, Alicia, on the second half of this year? What do you want to see happen? Uh, what are you excited about? Well, as a realtor right now, um, I'm ready to take advantage of the fact that the city is not quite as busy. Okay. Go to all my favorite restaurants. Know that I'm going to be able to get a reservation. I have my hit list. I think we had, was it 11 Michelin stars? Yeah. Was it 11 Vito? Yeah. It was 10. 10. 10. I have 10 restaurants that I need to go to before season starts, and I don't have a prayer of getting a reservation. Pick my favorite one and reserve moving forward and talk to all of my clients about um, what their plans are and what are they ready to do in the next phase. Because I do think that there's people that are interested in selling, and this is a very good moment for us as realtors to get that inventory and stock organized for the season. I think that they're going to get very good prices when they go into market. And I think we're going to have a tremendous season. I mm-hmm. think um, Miami is absolutely the most popular location in the world. Yeah. And everybody wants to be here. And it's going to be, God willing, the first full-blown, open for business, open for fun after COVID. Yep. So I can't even imagine what, you know, our puzzle is going to be like, <laughs> what the boat show is going to be like, what all of these incredible events are going to be like. I think it's going to be just a magical Well, season. it's all those amazing events. Plus, we, we haven't even mentioned, I mean, in the last year alone, we had Formula One, 
came right. to Miami, yes. right? New addition. Yeah. Um, David Beckham Stadium was approved finally so for the MLS, right? Yeah. So that's coming in a couple of years by World the airport. World Cup next year. And World Cup just announced Yay. coming to Miami. 20, <laughs> was it 2023? 24. 20, 24. 20, so, 24. So, I mean, yeah, uh, to your point, yeah. once it's hustling and bustling and clicking on all cylinders, there's just so much to do here. So it's such an exciting time. It's such an exciting time. And thank goodness that we're getting all of these other things because it gives – us more opportunities to diversify because if we were all trying to get it to formula one, like I think we did this year, it's a little crowded, you know, but if we can, if we have to, you know, if we can pick and choose, okay, I like formula one. I like the tennis. Maybe I like the soccer. There's just something for everyone here. Yeah. And that is a beautiful thing. Well, you just, you just teed me up with the D. So, okay. You get to choose (laughs) by D and weird. Is it diversify or disruption? You you pick. Well, I think, um, I think it's both. You know, because you absolutely have to diversify your interest and take advantage of everything that is going on in the city. Because if you're not trying new things, you just won't know what you're missing out and you won't know what new next thing to love. And you won't even know what you don't love. Because mm-hmm. if you don't try it, you can't knock it, right? True. So just go experiment. Try some of these things. See what it feels like. Get contaminated with that wonderful energy that these great events bring to to the city uh, because it is incredible energy because the people in the heart and soul are working so hard to create them and they're so excited about it so for sure you know you want to try different things and so um in terms of disruption i think whenever there's so much whenever something new comes it it disrupts the old and in that disruption uh, lies tremendous opportunity and and so i think that Change can be a little scary, and sometimes it can be quite terrifying. But what one should really be afraid of is no change at all. Mm-hmm. Because when you're in that stagnant place, everything is wrong. Right. You have to continue embracing change because it is not an option. You are going to change. You wake up every morning and you change just a little bit. On some days, you change just a little bit more. But if you embrace the change as a, not even as a rule, but as an opportunity, I think you come out. Every day you come out just a little bit better, a little bit stronger, and a little bit happier. If you fight it, you lose from the start. So (laughs) embrace the opportunity to get disrupted and to diversify and to experiment and to explore, not just with all the things that are happening in the city, but with all the people that are coming to the city. Because in the people is the magic, and that's what makes Miami the magic city. I love that. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here with Alicia Cervera, La Madrid, managing partner of Cervera Real Estate. What a great brokerage. What a a great place to work. Um, So, Alicia, as we close this out, um, let's talk about the future outlook um, in regards to the state of the market. Um, What are the biggest challenges and what are the biggest opportunities in your eyes? So I think the biggest challenge is the fear that people are experiencing. And um, the biggest opportunity is to help them overcome that fear. And I think that fear is overcome with information. Information empowers people. And also by by not being afraid yourself of the decision the person you're talking to is going to make. Because they have to do what's comfortable for them. And if you embrace that, then you're going to do fine. Because there's a huge market in Miami. A lot of people say it's super competitive, and in fact it is. But why is it competitive? because there's so many opportunities and people come to the places where there are opportunities. So just stay positive, do not be afraid, forge ahead, embrace the disruption, embrace everyone new that's coming to our city. And if you wake up every morning and decide, how can I help 
what can I add? You are going to win. I love that. So I think we're going to leave it there, folks. Um, anything else to add, Alicia? Final thoughts? Enjoy the summer because it's going to be a crazy <laughs> season. <laughs> so rest up and get ready. I love it. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, this was uh, Alicia Cervera La Madrid with us here on our uh, State of the Market for the Miami Real Estate Podcast. Remember to find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. We will be back next week with another episode. And until then, remember that here in Miami, the future is always bright. Take care, folks. Thank you. Thank you.